Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. Josh and Jell here live on a Wednesday, not our hump usual day. day of the week. Hump day it is. Have a big episode for you. We're going to recap a couple of the bowl games. Not a lot going on this last week. We'll update you where we're at on to the pick And crazy, crazy NFL weekend. One of the crazier ones that I've seen in a long time between last second plays referee missed calls we'll we'll get into all that but gonna kick it over to wide my- receivers throwing passes to defensive ends <laughs> on the last play of the game like an idiot last play of a tied game like an idiot a tied game <laughs> but gonna kick it over to gel he has our question of the day today to kick off the show what you got for us today gel well, I've got a little two-parter going on here uh not related whatsoever to each other first one though really quick. Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song, is that the not the most underrated, underplayed holiday song in the world? I mean, it is so great. It's catchy, gets stuck in my head, and it's hilarious. Yeah. No, we were on our the way down. The goat holiday song we were on that our, never gets played. Way down to Illinois yesterday, and it came on uh, my playlist. So it's on my Hell Christmas yeah. playlist. So absolutely, it's very, very <laughs> underrated. Oh, it's been stuck in my head all day. Uh, Part two to this question, (laughs) as my Christmas tree is up. Uh, Part two to this question. Okay. World Cup final on Sunday. That's by a mile. I mean, I don't watch that much soccer. You're a much bigger fan than I am. You know, you follow the MLS somewhat really. I don't know, maybe religiously, but at least for the most part. Very, you know, more than I think most probably in in this country. That's the best game I've ever seen. I mean, obviously, considering you've got probably the greatest all time in Messi, Mbappe is well on his way to potentially being the greatest of all time if he can keep keep this up. I mean, he's 23 and he's, I believe, got nine World Cup goals now and he's only in his or. Around or maybe yeah, it was nine. This that's about right. He's got four finals goals, and he's that's only twenty three, <laughs> and including three on Sunday. Ridiculous! I guy's on his way, and I mean, he's. Have you seen his legs? He's built like a statue. It's crazy, <laughs> but I mean, by far the best soccer game I've ever watched. I mean, I got a little emotional, especially at the end, seeing, you know, Messi make his kick and and just, you know, it's like, finally he did it. Like, this is what he needed. But as a more pure soccer fan than me, how did you like this going into PKs? Do you like penalty kicks to finish off a match in general? And how did you like the World Cup final going into PKs where it's kind of a 50-50 guessing game a lot of the time at least uh, for, you know, whether the goalie dives left, dives right, or or stays in the middle. I love it. I love PKs so much, and that's one of the reasons why I love the World Cup. I wish that for the sake of getting the general public, I guess you'd say, the nonchalant soccer fan more into soccer – I wish the regular season was like that too. I like how hockey had adopted the overtime rules a few years back where it'll go into a shootout if they're tied after a five-minute period so that there is a winner. I think that's the hardest thing with soccer is that you could sit there and watch a 0-0 or nil-nil game and you might not even see a goal scored for investing two hours of your time in it. And I think plus that's where... The, yeah, so the 90 minutes plus extras. Like, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, even in just like a regular, you turn on the Premier League on a Saturday morning and you're having a cup of coffee. You could be sitting watching for two hours and nothing happens. It ends in a tie. Each team gets a point and they go their separate ways. Now, if you throw in, and maybe for the regular season, you don't even have to throw in. Maybe you do just one... 10-minute period of extra time. And if somebody scores or at the end of 10 minutes, then it goes to a shootout. I mean, I think you'd get more people tuning in for that. I think it's more exciting. 
And like I said, it's just hard to tune in and know that you could just end up spending two hours and the game will end in a tie and you move on. I mean, look at how mad we are. The one, two times a season in the NFL, it happens that you're sitting there for three plus hours and the game ends in a tie and you're just like, what did, what did I just do for the what last three What was the hours? point of any of this? Yeah, but that, I mean, by far was the best soccer game I've ever seen too. I mean, like you said, they're up, uh, Argentina was up two nothing late in the game get the penalty kick, uh, France does, Mbappe knocks it home. I literally went to the bathroom. I was like, all right, I'm going to go brush my teeth or whatever. It was mid-morning. We had stuff to do in the afternoon. So I'm like, all right, I'll start getting ready. I'm just going to go brush my teeth quick. Literally gone for two minutes, come back, it's tied 2-2. I'm like, what in the <laughs> heck just happened here? Like literally within two minutes of time, not even gameplay, like just time, they had scored to tie it. And then – Argentina, Messi gets a goal in overtime. Mbappe ties it up again, and then, yeah, the PKs. So just completely back and forth and just one of the all-time great soccer games. I mean, you hope that that propels the average viewer into maybe tuning in, but it's, it's hard, man. I mean, the MLS, you look at it, they're switching over to Apple TV as their main broadcast partner this year. They're going to have some nationally broadcast games, but not a lot of people have Apple TV. I mean, you it's essentially they're turning it turning it into like a MLB TV or something along those lines. So you pay, I think, $99. You get the whole package for the year. You can watch all the games that you want and everything. But Yeah, that's not it's a just, good idea if you're trying to grow the game. I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy way to make some quick money, but... Mm-hmm. What I mean, I'm not gonna pay for that. I'll, yeah. I would, you know, if the game's on ESPN, I'll tune into the occasional game or even a half or whatever just to have something on. But I'm not gonna pay for it. I'm not gonna pay 99 bucks for a. It's that's for diehards only, like you said, MLB.tv. That's for diehards only, really, or for you know, like in my case where the Brewers are out of market, or in your case with the Cubs being out of market. It's really the only way I can see him. But so I get that, but I'm not going to pay for any MLS package. I don't give a shit if Gareth Bale is on his way over. <laughs> like, I, I don't, it's not enough to sell me. So are they completely cutting it off of network TV then outside no, of your occasional, like, you know, once or twice a week national games? They'll have like one or two primetime games a week with, like the bigger of the matchups and stuff. But yeah, I mean, right now their season was on ESPN plus, which yes, that's still not getting your name out there, but a lot of people have Disney plus Hulu ESPN plus bundle. So you could turn it on if you wanted to, if you're flipping through ESPN plus you could, you'd see that there's a game on and Oh, okay. There's nothing else on. I'll turn this on right now, but you can't do that with Apple TV and you're going to end up, not being able to grow the game as much as you want, which and that's you, disappointing, especially given that the U.S., U.S., Mexico, Canada hosts the World Cup in four years. You know, you'd want to try to grow that fan base up as much as possible, get people kind of ramped up for this upcoming World Cup. Not that the MLS, but I, I mean, I guess that would benefit the MLS and the future of the MLS in terms of viewership and everything. So. I think that's a bad move. I really do. Yeah. No, it, I mean, I get it. They're getting a ton of money for Apple TV taking over. It's quick the, revenue. Right? But yeah, to grow it long term, it just. It's a short, it's, it's a ideal. short, you know, short sighted, I think, goal and a short sighted view on, on building a business that I'd assume they want mls to hang around and continue to grow for decades to come for generations so yeah i think it's a short-sighted mistake especially given that we've got the world cup in four years yep and they're popping up the mls in a lot of different markets too i mean we've had i think the last four seasons you had nashville you had austin charlotte and st louis is getting a team this year so they're up to i think 31 teams right now so i mean they're growing as far as the mls is pretty quick you still need to <laughs> get the average person to want to tune in but did you so i'm sure you heard the rumor i mean this would have been maybe a month ago at this point if not longer out about messi coming and playing for that team in miami yeah inner miami inner miami have you i haven't heard anything about that since that kind of initial report there's there still any steam behind that there's something that popped up today on twitter that messi essentially they had reached out to him and he never 
said a whole lot back, and it sounds like he's going to end up back. So they just Paris made up that he was interested? I mean, I think he was, but then it just – I don't know if maybe World Cup training or different things like that, but he yeah. never really got back to him about it. So it doesn't sound like that's going to end up happening, But which would be nice. But at the same time, too, I kind of like the MLS as – Essentially, right now, it's the minor leagues or the retirement home is what <laughs> what it is right now. Zidane. You don't have a ton of guys that are in their prime playing in MLS. Usually, it's the young guys that play for a couple of years, get their name up, and then end up somewhere in Europe. Or you get the Gareth Bales. You get the Lionel Messi's that come over at the end of their career just to kind of get that. No, it wasn't Zidane. It was uh, Terry who Henry. Who the Galaxy. Oh. Who was it? Well, Terry Henry came over. Uh, Beckham came over. No, 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 not Beckham. Oh, my God. Zoltan? Oh, Zoltan. Yeah. That was uh, LAFC. LAFC. Yep. Okay. I am Zoltan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, let's. Uh, why don't we transition from football yeah, over to football? Was, that was a lot of football. That's probably the most we've ever talked on the podcast. By a so. mile. Absolutely. Well, uh, expansion draft. Felt kind of good though. I liked it. That was kind of fun. (laughs) Super. I mean, it's going to be the last time that I, you know, probably the last soccer match I watch in a while. But (laughs) that was. I don't know, man. World Cup blew my kind of blew my expectations out of the water a little bit. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, type in Dead Arm Sports, subscribe, click the bell there. That way you know our live episodes drop typically on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Was it Don the dude that headbutted? Yes. That guy like right Italy. in the chest and knocked him out, like just dropped him like a sack of potatoes. Yep. That would be that him. was the greatest moment. <laughs> <laughs> Continue yep. with the reads. <laughs> Usually we're live on Tuesday or Wednesday. We monitor that chat so you can ask us any questions in there, especially in the heat of fantasy playoffs right now. You can ask us any start-sit questions that you need. We'll hit you back Speaking up. of heat, make sure to find us on YouTube. You can check out the fireplace behind uh, yours truly. Oh, yeah. Bringing the heat indeed. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you want to follow Jell on his socials, he can be found at Das Jell. That's at D-A-S-J-E-L. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D-A-S-J-P-E-C. You can also send us in any questions there. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Send us a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. All right. Don't have a ton of NCAA as far as game recaps going. A lot of the bowl games are pretty straightforward. Um, not a lot of good stuff going on there, I guess. Uh, Frank Gore Jr., 329 and two touchdowns. So absolute... The Duluth trading bowl didn't do it for you? <laughs> no. They're the, uh, what was it, claim.com, roof? Or Roofclaim.com. Roofclaim.com. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, Frank Gore Jr., absolute monster performance there for Southern Miss. And then um, – Dion losing his last game, Jackson State, before he moved over to Colorado. I think that was kind of the takeaways. But any other takeaways for you, Gel, before we kind of update everyone on a lot of the transfers? And today's National Signing Day, so we've got a little bit to go on that to talk about that as well. Yeah, I guess I'll just mention this briefly. Um, you are kicking my ass in the bowl pick so yes, far. Sir. Up uh, nine games to four, so you went on a real nice hot streak hitting uh, six straight bowl games, or six straight of the winners, and of those six, I got one. <laughs> so there's the difference right there is, is me hitting one, you hitting six straight of, uh, of these bowl games from the last weekend. Uh, in terms of the games, though, I mean... Not, not yeah, I mean obviously you know not too much of takeaways just given the teams. Um, I'm more I'm just interested in you know you mentioned Dion lost his last game at Jackson State. I'm pretty interested to see kind of what he's gonna be able to do just you know at Colorado and he had his first uh, early signing day this weekend or I guess today we're recording live on Wednesday the 21st um, at at uh, Colorado obviously he has only been on the job for like 10 days or whatever. So not a whole lot of time for him to recruit, but it'll be interesting to kind of see what, 
how he ends up with this first class and, and if he's able to flip any players, especially any DBs that maybe would have been recruits um, for other big, bigger schools, bigger programs. And kind of interesting to see what who all he's bringing over from Jackson State. I know, obviously, he's bringing over his son. Uh, that was the big headline on ESPN. Uh, Colorado lands Shadur Sanders. No shit. You really think he was going anywhere else but following his dad over to Colorado? Come on. That'd be funny if uh, Spencer Sanders ended up transferring from Oklahoma State over. You should. You should just have a whole team of Sanders. Get the colonel in. Oh. No, some other Adam Sanders, his Hanukkah song. <laughs> yes, <laughs> getting into some of those transfers. Then I mentioned Shadur Sanders. Drew Pine leaves Notre Dame for Arizona State. New head coach uh, coming over from the Oregon Ducks offense. So quack quack. I thought that was kind of interesting that to leave Notre Dame for Arizona State. But again, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, Devin Leary, I think, is the biggest name, though, that has fallen so far. Well, Notre Dame does have – they do have a four-star incoming quarterback. So I think that that's maybe where he saw, you know, I don't fit here anymore. But that's a that's a bit of a downfall from <laughs> Notre Dame down to uh, Arizona State. Or maybe he just fell in love. Maybe – I mean, you never know how some of these – recruiting you know relationships could have started he could have been drew pine could have been recruited to oregon by that head coach that joined arizona state so maybe he's like hey i loved you coming out of school or coming out of high school i wanted you to follow or you know to to come to oregon i'd love you to follow me to oregon or to arizona state and you know that's how some of these relationships can now pay out in the long term. Uh, biggest name, I think, Devin Leary, NC State to Kentucky. So Kentucky lands their future quarterback after Will Levis declared for the NFL draft. Pretty big signing. Devin Leary went down with an injury towards the back half of the season this year, but I, that's a big-time name to transfer over to Kentucky and could be somebody that uh, is in Heisman talks potentially at the end of the year. Definitely has the talent, and we'll see with Kentucky what their program, what their, I guess, team's looking like going into next season. But definitely a good start to get their season going next year, getting Devin Leary. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's he's old enough to win the Heisman. He's already 23, <laughs> so... <laughs> But I and I guess Mark Stoops is sticking around and yeah. until maybe they ball out this year and then he makes the jump. You know, we kind of mentioned it on our with our conversation with Brian. No, like his stock kind of it didn't end up as high as we you know at the beginning of the season it was sky high and he kind of finished pretty cold. The, that entire Kentucky program finished pretty cold to end the season. So. Bringing in a guy like Devin Leary, that's going to make a big difference versus going to, you know, maybe an incoming freshman or incoming, you know, guy that's been sitting on the bench for a year. Getting arguably the best transfer that was in the portal, at least quarterback-wise, in Devin Leary. Massive help. Yep. A couple of Badger tidbits here. Nick Evers coming over from Oklahoma to Wisconsin, so former ESPN 300 player last season. I believe he was in the Elite 11 camps as well. Yep. Just pretty badass. Pretty big quarterback coming over for Luke Fickle, so that's nice to see. They landed a four-star wide receiver, flipped from Arizona uh, today as well, so we'll see and, a, and a corner up corner yep flipped um, a corner from cincinnati well, over yeah so. i'll put flipped, flipped in the air quotes you know. on youtube here but yeah no You're essentially right. but no big uh big day for the badgers at least for their recruiting i uh, weren't sure what luke fickle is going to do with that quick turnaround but so far we're able to lock down all of their commits that they had and got a couple mm-hmm. of surprise ones as well so that's always nice and, and you know what was also really nice to see about this it really was only a ended up being a group of what four five maybe six badgers that ended up transferring braylon allen 
there were some rumors about him potentially entering the portal, and he never did. Marcus Allen did enter, but ended up withdrawing his name. I believe there was one other guy that and <clears throat> excuse me entered and withdrew his name. Uh, I believe Isaiah Garendo maybe is the o- is the only kind of like skill position player that sounds like he's gonna bounce, but. You can kind of understand that. He doesn't really fit. His, his running style doesn't really fit the fickle spread offense scheme. Yeah. But uh, When was Shane Malusi coming back, too? It's like he, he just kind of saw He is coming still, back. Okay. Yeah, he's still kind of buried a little bit. So Right. But understandable. Uh, Jaheim Bell, big time kind of utility guy over at South Carolina, ended up transferring out of there to Florida State as well. So thought I'd throw his name in there. Um, he's a re- he's a mega talent in terms mm-hmm. of you know size and Super athleticism athletic, and yeah. like you said kind of that utility h back type where plays in that tight end position but also you could look at his rushing stats as well mm-hmm. i mean he's getting the ball all over the field so mega talent in terms of just being a hybrid athlete yep and then last one um, I wanted to throw out there, Joe. I know you'll get a kick out of this one. Uh, there was one gentleman that was really tuned into that Southern Miss uh, Rice game and saw Rice play and was like, you know what? I can lead them to victory. And that's Mr. JT Daniels transferring into oh the Rice Oh, my Owls. God. <laughs> that's what he's left with is Rice. <laughs> he is the new quarterback for Rice. Oh my God! What a fall from the number one quarterback recruit in the country going to USC, then Georgia, then uh, West Virginia, West Virginia Mountain Mama. Now Rice, what a ride! That's not even a roller coaster ride. <laughs> that is just a that is he, just a just a very steep slide. He just wanted to downhill. travel the country. I think is what it was. I mean, he's literally been in every different As, area. Yeah, so he's really. You're right. <laughs> LA West Coast going to the deep south going to you know East Morgan Coast Town, that that, that uh, DMV area and now Texas wow he just needs to he needs to go play in the CFL next <laughs> right. get the Canada roots down <laughs> any other uh, transfer names that stood out to you gel um, then we'll get into just a uh, couple guys that I wanted to bring up as far as uh, National Signing Day went today yeah, the only other one really was was Graham Mertz. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. There were, yep. It was rumored that he was going to go to Florida, or that Kentucky. he was going to go to Kentucky. Yep. And hey, I, I'm sure that Mark Stoops uh, looked at that tape and was like, wait, hell no, I don't want anything <laughs> to do with this guy. Uh, now it looks like he's going to end up going to, rumor has it that he's going to Florida. Rumor has it that he's going to be a Gator, so disappointing for Gator fans I think <laughs> because yes. not only because Mertz is garbage but also on top of that they've been in that Grayson McCall uh quarterback out of Coastal Carolina kind of in the sweepstakes is it McCall McCreary or McCall McCall uh kind of been in the Grayson McCall sweepstakes and if they end up signing Mertz it means they're probably not going to get Grayson McCall who he lit it up at Coastal. Again, it's Coastal mm-hmm. Carolina's competition, but he still lit it up and looked really nice. High-end college quarterback. So disappointing, I think, if you're a Gator fan, not only because it means that you have to play with Mertz, but because it probably takes you out of the running for, for one of the – I mean, really it was between him and Devin Leary as the top two transfer candidates uh, for this for this offseason. So – Sorry, Gator fans out there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like at least the rumor has it mill going right now is it sounds like McCall's going to be going to Auburn. I think that's the school that's been popping, at least with his name right now. And Auburn actually had a really fantastic signing day, too. Flipped a couple guys um, from Ohio State. Hugh Freeze calling them at the last hour, apparently, and getting them to come down to Auburn, Alabama to play for him. But had a couple guys flip today as well. Go, Dante. Uh, oh shoot, no. So did uh did uh Cadillac Williams end up sticking around on that staff? <sighs> that I'm not sure on. I Cause think so, but I'm not. I love. I mean, I you know just as a player, I was a massive fan of him. Both at Aub- that that Ronnie Brown Cadillac Williams combo at Auburn, 
and then him on the Bucks. You know, bo- both of them ended up being super high draft picks. I think Ronnie Brown ended up going number two overall, and Cadillac went like number four or six, something like overall that, yeah. to the Bucks. I mean, pretty crazy. You know, you you never see that in today's NFL, but <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought. I mean, he did a pretty. I thought he did a you know pretty nice job as an interim head coach. He he had a nice win in his his first his inaugural game as the as the Tigers head coach but uh no I mean Hugh Freeze obviously did some good stuff at Liberty and and before at Ole Miss before the uh the old uh they tracked down his phone uh his Ladies phone of contacts the night. <laughs> yeah <laughs> using a university uh using a university phone smart man over there yes. but hey now he can pay players legally so <laughs> he's know. back He's ba- <laughs> Hugh Freeze is back. <laughs> Probably the <laughs> biggest name that flipped today on National Signing Day is Dante Moore, number three mm. overall prospect. Uh, was committed to the Oregon Ducks and flipped down to whack, UCLA. Whack. So Chip Kelly's former school to his current school. Going to be taking over more than likely um, for uh, DTR. DTR, yes. So. Yeah, I w- it'll be interesting to see if he starts day one. But if you look at Chip Kelly's history, I mean, as long as he's got a dual threat quarterback, those guys, as long as they're athletic and at least somewhat capable, which you'd assume the number three overall recruit in the nation is at least capable, they can start day one. We saw Marcus Mariota start real early. DTR started for like six fucking years. So I I think that and, – and they just have to follow that Chip Kelly system. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts day one. I'm sure mm-hmm. Chip will make him compete, but he'll show that he's the man in that uh, in that offense. But good, good for UCLA to – and you know what? I, I bet a huge part of this was – Bo Nix deciding that he's going to stay at Oregon. I don't know how he has eligibility left still. He's like the he's kind of like here, the man. Michael Penix who it's like, "Wait, Michael Penix is coming back? How? Isn't he like 45?" Like <laughs> that kind of or like the Martinez, uh, Adrian and Adrian Martinez at Nebraska a few years <laughs> back. Like it seemed like he was there for like two decades. But um so I th- I think that I would bet that Bo Nix coming back is a huge reason that Dante Moore decided to flip over to UCLA and and I'm sure Chip told him look there's a good chance you're going to be starter day one so why don't you uh, come over to LA where you know it's it's always sunny here and you don't have to deal with Phil Knight <laughs> right. sorry Case <laughs> <laughs> yeah it. Just from the note that you had said with Bo Nix eligibility still, it's going to be so nice in a few years when there's not going to be anyone in college that was around for that COVID year and we actually know, like, oh, okay, this person is actually there's a an junior. actual timeline. <laughs> like, like, yes. It's just, which has been completely insane. missing. Yes. <laughs> Only other thing, uh, Alabama, six five-stars coming in. Not to be undone by Texas A&M's nine last year, but, hey, it's Alabama and – Six well, guys. how many of those nine five stars from A and M are transferring? <laughs> I bet at least half. Yeah, they had nineteen players in the portal this off season. Yep, just crazy. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else, Jill? Before we jump over to the crazy NFL weekend, I cannot wait to talk about this. <laughs> NFL baby, let's go where the players get paid because <laughs> they don't in the NCAA, right? Right. <laughs> Or at least, which, by the way, by the way, massive scam. The NCAA, like, colleges still getting away with not paying players. It's just the boosters that are paying them. So all these college football programs still rake in every single dollar that comes their way with no expenses in terms of salaries paid to the players. Like, it's... NCAA just kind of just they're just getting away with shit right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it they're is. being held accountable zero percent. Yep. Ah, oh, all right. That's <laughs> enough. On to on to on to the NFL. <laughs> well, let's talk about the largest comeback in NFL history: Colts Minnesota Vikings. Colts took a 33 to nothing halftime lead. I was not in a place where I had access to my. Uh, TV at all to watch this one, but 
man, I kept checking the score and Colt scored, Colt scored, Colt scored. I was like, what in the wild world of sports is going on here? Vikings are the number two seed right now in the NFL at home against these Colts who are banged up. Matt Ryan was their starter at the time. He's benched now, and we're going to have Nick Foles coming in this week. But, I mean, it it was just absolutely insane that the Vikings are down 33 to nothing in this one. Then all of a sudden, the Vikings just slowly started crawling back, crawling back, crawling back in this one. Didn't know if this was a game that Kirk Cousins had in him. Uh, it wasn't technically a primetime game, but it was the only game on during that slot. So I don't know if he technically would be able to call that one a primetime game, but just absolutely insane. And it, Minnesota ends up tying it up towards the end of regulation, takes it to overtime, and ends up kicking a game-winning field goal in overtime to cap off the largest comeback in history. And just an absolutely insane game from two totally different halves by this Viking team. And, yeah, what uh, what do you think about this comeback, Joe? Well, we know Matt Ryan got benched for Nick Foles. And we know that Jeff Saturday is incapable of being an NFL head coach. I... (laughs) I think that that's what, I mean, I find it hard to be impressed with the Vikings, honestly, in this game. I mean, yeah, great. They showed some resilience. It was still Kirk Cousins playing at noon, which we know that's when he's, you know, that's his prime time. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is it, was it technically a prime time game because it was the only game on during that slot? I mean, technically it was noon, but there wasn't any other games on and that was the only game to watch. It's still his prime time. It's noon. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> and by the and and by the way, after people or after he was down thirty three nothing at half, I couldn't have been the only one that walked away from their TV and started doing chores or started doing Christmas shop or you know wrapping up their Christmas shopping or anything like that. Right. So it's like once you're down like that, the half the audience is already gone. That's when Kirk Cousins shines at his best is when nobody's watching. So I I still find it hard to be impressed with the Vikings. Like the Colts, there's no excuse. Matt Ryan, there's no excuse for Matt Ryan blowing a 28 to 3 lead. But at least that was against Tom Brady. He just blew 33 nothing against Kirk Cousins. The part that I found puzzling was like if you're if you're either Jeff Saturday or Matt Ryan, Really, both of them should be thinking on this wavelength. Every single play, every single snap that you have on offense, just run that play clock down to one. I mean, they were snapping the ball with the clock running with like 15 seconds left on the play clock. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you? You could have drained another 15 seconds. That's a quarter of a minute. You do that four times. That's a minute off the clock. It's like, you know, it's it's a game of... At that point, when you're up 33-0, all you want is for the game to end. You don't need to... <laughs> right. You don't need to keep trying to do anything impressive here. You're not trying... You're not the Vikings trying to come back. So, I, I thought that was just a showed complete incompetence, and it kind of solidified most of football fans thoughts on Jeff Saturday and that he's he's not the guy he can't be the guy you can't just step in from hey he was hey coached in high school like (laughs) can't just step in onto an NFL field and do a good job because there's so much more shit to manage there's so many more eyeballs on you there's so much more pressure on you and for Saturday to just completely like this isn't the first time that he's mismanaged the clock either so I don't know if he's cut out for this. He's probably a great position coach. He's probably a great high school coach. But, and it'd be a good O-line coach, maybe a good assistant coach. Maybe he ends up being a head coach a decade from now. But somebody with zero college and zero NFL experience to just jump in in the middle of the season, we were all skeptical. And he's proven all of us right (laughs) why we were skeptical. So... I think this pretty much solidifies that Jeff Saturday is done. 
For the Colts, though, I don't know what you're going to do at head coach. Who wants to take over that squad? A team that has no quarterback, an okay offensive line, a pretty nice front seven, and a shaky defensive backfield. A good running back, but goddamn, if you're the Colts, don't you even look at seeing if you can move off of JT and try to get some draft capital and kind of start over? He's the most valuable piece that they have. Him and Michael Pittman, Shaq Leonard is obviously valuable, but there's the linebacker just isn't as valued as a, a stud linebacker versus a stud corner. You'd much rather have that stud corner. Oh, yeah. So even Shaq Leonard, like as good as he is, he's not as valuable as maybe he once was or as that position once was. I, just, I feel like the Colts just focused on the wrong positions when they built this team in terms of building an interior offensive line, taking Quentin Nelson number six overall back a few years ago, and it's been a hit of a pick. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, most likely, but it's still an offense. It's still a guard. Like, there's only so much that that, that what can guards do for you? Like... <laughs> I just feel like they built this team wrong and and they still don't have a quarterback. So I I don't know what what coach is necessarily going to want to take over this squad, especially with an owner like Jim Irsay who has been meddling in football operations more lately than he ever had been. So he was the he was the one that said get rid of Carson Wentz, let's trade for Matt Ryan. I don't think Chris Ballard, their GM is like he's probably sitting there like this is absolutely not an upgrade. Not that Carson <laughs> Wentz is anything special, but Matt Ryan's been... He's been Might awful. as well have been retired for the last mm. three seasons, including this one. So, I don't know. It's going to be... I mean, there's no chance they get a Sean Payton type of type of a coach to, you know, this offseason or any sort of really high-end coach because a lot of these first-time coaches, this that might be their only opportunity and you don't want to blow it on a team that has no quarterback, a misguided future, and a misguided owner that likes to get in the way of football operations. Yeah. No, it'll be an interesting offseason for the Colts to see what direction they go, if they think they can find their quarterback of the future, whether that's through free agency or possibly in the draft. But, yeah, something something needs to change there <laughs> big time. Let's uh... – Jump over to Dallas, Gel. They had a nice collapse in Jacksonville this last weekend. Dak with the pick six uh, to end the game in overtime. And Trevor Lawrence's looks solid with Doug Peterson coming in. And, yeah, I guess what, what were your takeaways from this one? I mean, like I said, Dallas last two weeks has looked extremely shaky. Barely beat Houston, needed to come down to the final drive the week before, and then losing to Jacksonville, who's one of the hotter teams in football right now. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I take a lot less away from this game about Dallas. I mean, Dallas is, they're still a good team. They're not great. I don't think anybody that, you know, doesn't have a screw loose in their head would have said that they're great. But I think we can all say they're good. And I think that we can also say that Jacksonville over the last three, four, five, six weeks, they've been good. We've seen a pretty dramatic rise in play from Trevor Lawrence. And I got to tip my cap to, uh, for you YouTube viewers, <laughs> to uh, Doug Peterson. We've, I mean, and I've been kind of saying it all year that we've seen some dramatic leaps from Trevor Lawrence. But this, I don't know if this would have been possible if it was still Urban Meyer and if it wasn't Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has been. We've seen the best out of Carson Wentz under Peterson. Nick Foles, a five-touchdown, 340-yard game in the Super Bowl under Doug Peterson. And a receiving touchdown. Or was that a two-point conversion, the Philly special? I think it was a receiving touchdown. So, hey, there you go. Doug Peterson even teaches quarterbacks how to catch, uh, which we know Tom Brady can't do. Uh, and, and now Trevor Lawrence, just this, you know, obviously a prodigy going into – from coming out of high school, going into Clemson, looked at as the number one quarterback in the country, looked at as a prodigy, goes through Clemson, bangs out his 
three years under Sweeney. Again, locked to be the number one pick. And then goes to the Jags, year one under Urban Meyer. They let him go, bring in Doug Peterson, and he looks like the player that we thought he was going to be. So I take a lot more away from this game that Jacksonville's legit. And now we just got we got news today, again, recording live on Hump Day. Hump that Day! <laughs> it looks like Tannehill's going to be out for the season. So that looks that leaves Malik Willis to lead Tennessee to the playoffs. Right now there's only they only have the Titans only have a one game lead over Jacksonville and they've been losing games with Tannehill at quarterback. So Malik Willis put on your big boy uh, big boy pants and get ready to play because you're in a division race now and but Three games left. Who do you trust more, Jacksonville down a game or Malik Willis trying to hang on to that division lead? The way the Jags are playing right now, aren't are, are we looking at the Jags being the AFC South favorites? Well, the one good thing for Malik Willis he has going is they have a nice juicy matchup against that Houston defense that Derrick Henry's probably Derek run freaking all Henry. Over. Luckily, neither of us have him in our uh, Drew Locks to use this week, so. That uh, <laughs> would have been terrible, but no, I solid I twenty-one know. points from Henry this week, calling it <laughs> right. Jacksonville, I think they have to be the favorite right now. They've got a tougher matchup uh, tomorrow night. Well, tonight when this podcast comes out against the Jets, but man, they get Tennessee that last game of the season that very well could be the deciding game for the division. And there's only going to be one team that makes it from this division. It's just, it's too bad this year. But I I like Jacksonville. They're a team that's getting hot at the right time and they're doing it against teams that are solid. So that says a lot to me right there. And like you said, just kind of the rise of Trevor Lawrence over the second half into the player that, we thought he should be in year two right at this moment. He's probably what exactly what he should have been, and Doug Peterson's getting the most out of him. Let's uh, let's transition over to uh, – let's stick, I guess, stick with the theme of second-year quarterbacks and transition over to your boy, Mr. Justin Fields, who the Jets, obviously, in hindsight, should have probably taken with that number two overall pick. Instead of the uh, MILF hunter? <laughs> hey, he's a good-looking little teenager-looking boy. Uh, they did cover against Philly. They really held their own uh, during that game. And, I mean, Fields had one of the more impressive scrambles, if not the most impressive scramble we've seen all season for that rushing touchdown. That was ridiculous. I mean, he was he's making dudes miss. He's dancing all over the field. And, God, it's like this athleticism is just crazy. To be able to do that against... NFL athletes right. absolutely nuts so he's Fields is clearly showing hope and it makes you you know with those spectacular plays it kind of makes you think like he can make it but he's still missing some of the layups and you know in terms of easy outs and in terms of making just quick reads and some of the, you know just just making some of the easy stuff spectacular is great but they keep losing because spectacular doesn't allow you to build drives it doesn't allow you to sustain drives it just allows you to have a 60 yard breakout run and score that way you know score a cheap touchdown is there any concern for you i mean you obviously you have to hold you have to have hope in this situation because his talent is clearly there, but is there concern for you that he is missing some of these layups, some of these easy, some of these easy throws that or easy plays to make that at least I've noticed as a non bears fan. Yeah. You'd like to see his progression get a little bit better, but at the same time, he's had two totally different offenses the last two years, which isn't great for a young developing quarterback. He's playing behind one of the worst lines in football right now with a receiving group that is also one of the worst Vilas in Jones. football. Oh, yeah. my Vilas God. Jones, another fumble this week. 
Chase Clay or yeah, Chase Claypool hasn't been anything since they traded for him. Darnell Mooney's out for the Is season. He, out he was put for on IR. An extended period of time, Claypool. Um, I think so. He keeps popping up on the injury report as DNP, so it sounds like he's probably going to be out again this week. So he's working with Aquinas St. Brown and, uh, yeah, like you said, Velas Jones. So I'd like to see them get in a big-time wide receiver this year, which is going to be it's going to be hard for them to do because the wide receiver free agent pool is garbage. They have a ton over 100 million dollars of cap space this year. So they're going to be going nuts and hopefully they can shore up that with some offensive linemen, get that line solidified, get a pass rusher on the defensive side, but I think the biggest thing is they're going to have a top probably top 2 pick at this point in time, maybe top 3, for sure a top 5 pick and with some of these quarterback needy teams, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Ryan Poles to trade back in the draft, get some additional draft picks, maybe move back to a team that's in the 10 range or maybe the mid-teens. You can get a wide receiver that could help Justin Fields out immensely and pick up some additional draft picks too for a team that's looking to get their franchise quarterback, maybe even be able to pick up a future first-round pick. And I think Ultimately, if you're the Bears, with all that cap space, you get your line shored up, you get some big playmakers in, and in the draft, you get some young guys to complement Justin Fields in the pass game, and I think that's ultimately what they need to do. But I, I am just glad that Fields has shown enough where they don't have to kick the tires on drafting a quarterback this year. If you're Houston right now, you've got Cleveland's pick, in the first round at right now, which is slotted at number 12, the Texans have also obvious right now, the number one overall pick. If you're Houston, you've, you made, you got a ton of draft capital from that Deshaun Watson trade. Wouldn't it be worth, you know, giving up that number 12 overall pick and a future first and maybe a maybe a third this year or maybe a second this year to move up to number two, get yourself a Bryce Young, get yourself a Will Anderson with number one and two overall, and you know, really build that team up that way with future with with well, I guess Alabama teammates, but also stars. I, I think that might be a perfect opportunity for Chicago then to drop down into the you know, either the early teens or, you know, right now, like I said, slotted at that 12 pick. And then that's where Chicago could go after a wide receiver. Plus, if they're able to get a future first, plus if they're able to get a, another second or third this year, then you go attack the offense, grab yourself a couple offensive linemen, maybe one more wide out, and then, and then spend a shit ton of, spend 50 million, 60 million on big-time offensive linemen that are going to be free agents this year. I think the Bears are set up actually really well. Mm-hmm. No, I do too. And for the last couple of years, you just saw the writing on the wall of Trubisky that he was not the answer there. And you just kind of wonder, like, where where are we going to start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? And I think that's what we got this season is that we are starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel in all right, we've got a quarterback to at least build a team around for the next five-plus years. And – see from there i mean we've we've talked if you want to hear our take on running quarterbacks and stuff go check out our podcast from last week we dove into that quite a bit after the kyler injury but shelf life's not going to be super long for justin fields unless he develops more of a pocket passer but that's not him and he's showing that he's very capable of being a lamar jackson prototype in this and being very dynamic and got to build the team around that I guess speaking of running quarterbacks here, do you have any concern with Josh Allen and his longevity? I mean, I get it that he's built like a like freaking King Kong. You know, he's just massive. But he's but if history tells us anything about these running quarterbacks, Cam Newton, he only lasted till he was about 30. Big Ben once you know, he took a t- he was kind of like Josh Allen when he was young, where just a big dude and took a lot of hits. And once he fell off, he fell off hard. We haven't seen any devastating injuries from Josh Allen like we have with Kyler, 
We've seen Lamar out the last two seasons, at least partially. We've seen Justin Fields out, missed missed a game or two, uh, or maybe a game and a half or so this year. Now we've got Jalen Hurts, who got injured last week, sprained with a sprained shoulder against the Bears last week. Do you have any longevity concerns with Josh Allen? I get that he's built different than all the other guys that I mentioned outside of, you know, or at least the guys that are currently playing in the NFL. But I think that's got to be a little bit of a concern. Yeah. I mean, what rushing quarterback or what mobile quarterback hasn't been getting hurt the last couple of years? It's hard to find one that hasn't. And, yeah, that's – I mean, it's a big concern. You like him with the big body – being a little bit more durable and he's a good passer too so he doesn't have to rely on his feet to pick up first downs but but that's similar to big ben yeah that's that's the big ben comparison for me where (laughs) there's a reason he was nicknamed big ben because he's a big body dude that has a nice arm that could pass but it's like all those hits just they just take a toll after a while let me uh let me let me jump into one more second year quarterback just to stay on that theme. And that's Mac Jones. Garbage. He's done. Like if you're you have to be done with him, right? If you're Bill Belichick. I don't I mean, I'm not saying Bailey Zappi's the answer here, but Mac Jones, a lot of all these quarterbacks that we're that we're talking about. By if they don't pop in year one, they pop in year two. That are actually you know that are legitimate starters. It's very rare to 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 see somebody pop in year four. We're in year four of Daniel Jones. We know how that experiment has gone. So if you're Bill, do you what do you do here with Mac Jones? I mean, I guess you know his contract is probably is extremely valuable to the way that the Patriots like to run their organization you know, loading up, hopefully being able to load up in other positions on the O-line, on in the defensive backfield, on linebackers. They spent a lot on position players, but all position players that have not panned out. I mean, at this point, do you try to go after, do you let Mac Jones, do you try to move Mac Jones and go after a veteran quarterback, a Derek Carr, a Jimmy G even? Yeah, I mean, we saw tough. this. We just saw him get tossed like a rag doll by Chandler Jones. I get it. I would too. He could. He would throw me down to the ground. But it's just that was just kind of the icing on the cake for Mac Jones being below, you know, really average at best, if not below average at this point. Yeah, the Patriots are just lucky they have Ramondre Stevenson in a good run game because without that, they'd be picking in the top ten this year. But Mac Jones is somebody that the writing was on the wall with him too, and we kind of knew what you were getting with him at Alabama. He was surrounded by absolute superstars there, whether it was Devonta Smith winning the Heisman, Jalen Waddell. I mean, that team was just absolutely loaded. And you look back at his tape, and he was just throwing to wide open guys all the time. They were just so elite at route running that they were just wide open. They were on the same page with him. He was hitting them in stride, which – I mean, yeah, that's what you wanted to see. That's why Alabama won the national championship that year. But it's just not translating to the NFL at all. He's just not going to win you any games. He's a good game manager, I guess. But they just don't have the playmakers, and their defense is getting old too, which it's not going to be a winning formula there in New England for them. I don't know if they can necessarily move on from him, but I don't think he's going to be their long-term answer, and they're going to have to find something else. I mean, what if they were to say, all right, he's we're open to trading him. I mean, what would you expect to get for him? Maybe a sixth, seventh rounder at best? I mean, nobody's going to be giving away the farm to get Mac Jones. Yeah, especially go, that he'd be going into year three of that rookie contract, and you'd have one season to evaluate and decide, do we want to pick up his fifth-year option? <laughs> yeah. And if you're a crappy team you're going to decline that option. So yeah, they they might just kind of be stuck or 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 uh <laughs> I mean, what do you think the possibility is of them going after Jimmy G? Him reuniting with Belichick, hopefully not reuniting with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Hopefully they're gone <laughs> after this debacle yeah. of a season. 
I mean, what do you think that is that? Am I just I'm throwing shit out here because they need I help. I don't know that they're going to get him because I think if Jimmy G does hit the open market and San Francisco doesn't want him back at all, that there's going to be a bidding war for him because he's one. He's probably going to be the best free agent quarterback on the market. So God, <laughs> woof. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, the Colts would probably be kicking the tires on him. I'm sure he's not their typical end of the career starter that they've been doing the last like four years since they brought over Phillip rivers. But he's, I mean, Jimmy G would be <laughs> a hell of a lot better than anybody they'd have in the last three, four years. I love that the Colts, they win their first game with, uh, with Jeff Saturday. And then now they're on a four game losing streak. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, jump over to Washington, New England, Joe, what did you think of that Patriots last play? I mean, that was just mind-boggling. Tie ball game, and they tried to do some laterals to – I mean, they were acting like they were down by six and needed a touchdown to win the game. The band is on the field. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's literally what they thought was going on. And just absolute – Stupid play. <laughs> My favorite part is, you know, uh, Jacoby Myers said he didn't even see Chandler Jones there. I don't know how you possibly miss like a 6'6", 280-pound massive. Former teammate. Poor, former teammate. Just, just giant mass of a human being out there in a different jersey color. But just disregard that point. What the hell was Mac Jones going to do if he did catch that ball? Was Is he going to run 60 yards? <laughs> like, what is that? Super so athlete that, Mac Jones. <laughs> like Mac and cheese. Like That's my favorite part is that Jacoby said he's – Jacoby Myers said he's trying to – you know, he tried to do too much. He wanted to get the ball back to Mac. Like with what goal <laughs> did you think he was going to – walk it off for you and and all of a sudden you know freaking somebody throws him a jet pack from the stands and he just flies above the defense I don't know how 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 else is he gonna possibly score like guy walks with you know like he's got cement blocks on the bottom of his cleats (laughs) like that was that was my favorite part but really like how have we ever seen the Jets or Jesus, I called them the Jets. That's how unbuttoned up they are. The Patriots ever this not, you know, just not buttoned up on the most basic stuff. It was a disaster when Stevenson even flipped the ball to Myers. That was yeah. clearly not the play call. That was the first mistake. And I think Myers was like, oh, instincts come into play. Like, I guess we're doing this now. We're going to do the, 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 you know, uh, Adam Sandler movie, the football movie, that schoolyard bullshit play. Sticking with the Adam Sandler theme, I guess, for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Longest yard, bull- schoolyard bullshit play. Like, I just, mind-boggling. I just, I don't know if Belichick's lost the team or if it's a Matt Patricia thing of, like, getting in the way. I mean, the run, the running play, running a draw, that shouldn't have even been the play call in the beginning. You should have just knelt and gone into OT and I guarantee that's going to be the case going forward with Belichick <laughs> right he is not going to chance that shit ever again no uh last speaking of mind-boggling Joe last one I want to talk about is that end of the Washington New York Giants game this last Sunday night I mean it was just one of the most piss poor performances by referees I think I've seen in quite some time you had a play um where was it John Dotson was lined or Terry McLaurin was Terry, lined up, scary Terry. up at the top of the screen off of the tackle looks over at the ref ask if he's close enough the ref tells him to move up he moves up gives the ref a thumb thumbs up and <laughs> play goes off ref <laughs> throws the flag for <laughs> he wasn't lined up where he was supposed to be and then on the final play of the game <laughs> was it John Dotson just gets absolutely tackled in the end zone before the ball you could see in the replay the defenders got his arms just completely wrapped around him where he doesn't even have a chance both hands both hands and just yeah 
it's just mind-boggling. No flag, game is over. It the, just the, the one for me that I think what I, I generally like side on no calls when it comes to pl- pass interference, especially on last plays of the game. Like I think that the refs throw way too many cheap PI flags in general. This was about as obvious as it can get, though. I mean, Terry literally could only extend one arm, or or whoever the receiver was, could only extend one arm towards the ball. He still almost caught it, by the way, which is just a testament as to his talent. But he could only extend one arm. He that The Giants' corner had two hands over both shoulder pads, and like basically pulled him back towards him so that he could propel himself forward to deflect the ball. Like, I, I felt like that. Again, I hate calls being decided on PIs and stuff. But, and, and nothing, there's no worse miss than the fail Mary back <laughs> in 20, what was that, 20, 2009 maybe? Or no, or no, sorry, 2011? Yeah, it was like 2011, 2012, 2012 season. There. And and <laughs> Golden Taint just <laughs> <laughs> just shoves the shit out of the uh, uh, Packers DB, catches the ball. Somehow, all of a sudden, he's wide open, uh, catches the ball, and no flag. Seahawks win on that on that fail Mary but this is another really bad one I mean that was that one was really obvious but I think what bothers me more was was the Terry McLaurin call on the you know the illegal whatever illegal formation because he wasn't up on the line even though he did move up gave him the thumbs up and then to call the flag right away and it on a run up the butt with Brian Robinson, it's not like it. It's like Terry wasn't involved in that play whatsoever. So it's like, and I know he he threw the flag right when they snapped the ball, so the ref didn't know what the what the play was gonna be. But there's no reason to make that call right then. Right. Like, really, what is the point of making that call? He's off by what? Maybe half a maybe maybe half a foot. I mean, he looked like he was in pretty good position to me. It it didn't. I don't know. It's not like he was, you know, like arena football where he's you can have guys starting ten yards behind the line of scrimmage, and and get them running before the snap. Like I thought it was pretty close, too close to call in that situation, and that that might have cost the the commandos a playoff, a playoff spot, spot playoff. because right. Don't talk about the playoffs. Kidding me. Playoffs. Uh, that might have cost them a playoff spot, and that might be Ron Rivera's job. That might be Tyler Heineke's job. That this ref is caught. That these this officiating crew is costing them. So there's a lot of jobs on the line when you miss these types of calls. And you know, it's that's not acceptable for for, for refs to impact the game like this in such a negative way yeah. on a standalone game, nonetheless where the entire nation saw that. That's an NFC East battle. That's a playoff battle. A lot of people were watching that game and saw that. That's garbage. NFC or NFL needs to take care of that shit because that's that's not acceptable. Any other uh quick mentions here, Joe, before we close out and wrap up here? No, I'm I'm that I'm out of breath. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, subscribe, click the bell on our page after you search Ding. Dead Arm Sports. We'll be the first thing that pops up. We monitor that chat. You can ask us any questions there. You can find us at Dead Arm Sports on our socials. Gel at Das Gel, myself at Das JPEG. Give us a follow. You can ask us any questions there, any ideas or things you want us to talk about. Let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send a screenshot. We'll get you some swag, alicious stuff sent out in the mail for free. Where can they find us at, Jill? Hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and or Google Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to whatever your chosen listening platform is. Take a screenshot of that written review. That written review is important. 
Take a screenshot of that. Send it over to us on our socials, as Josh mentioned, at DosJPEC, at DosGel, at DeadArmSports, on Twitter or on Instagram, and uh, we will hit you up with some swag. Appreciate everybody out there listening to the pod. Hopefully you enjoyed our show. If you did, if you could tell somebody you know, that would be greatly appreciated. We'll be back with you as Viernes on Friday with a <laughs> big show. Got our week two of our bull pick See if I can get even more of a commanding lead over Joe with my picks. Got, I got some work. I got, I got work to do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> got some uh, fun games to preview this week for week 16. And, of course, our Drew Locks where I am also climbing back into the race after probably the lowest week in Drew Lock history put up by uh, – my co-host, <laughs> but uh, we'll get into that tomorrow. Update you on where the standings are. Jill, close her out. Mertz, Mertz, go skirt, skirt. In comes Nick Evers. We are believers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>